You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. Only pass for Long, he's got Leopold with him. Long walks in, Sanders, yeah! Leopold's a right-hand shot, rotates, and then sends here Long back to Leopold. And yeah! a boy, Brady. And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues. And it's Leopold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leopold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Uh, welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. This is Brady Liebold coming at you guys once again from Utterson, Ontario, right in the heart of beautiful Muskoka. Say it all the time, guys. I'm extremely, extremely fortunate to be living here. ATVs in the driveway, sleds in the driveway, trails right at my front door. Right, the lakes are right there. Um, you know, it's just a. Uh, it's probably why I'm doing so well right now, and uh, I'm soaking up every uh, minute that I can be out in the bush. But I'm covered head to toe in mosquitoes. Uh, but this is episode. 23 and of course guys uh, if you're listening it's on hockey podcast network uh, please make sure you subscribe uh, wherever you're listening uh, also guys uh, check out uh, all their podcasts they have over like 40 different podcasts one for every single NHL team uh, Terry Ryan uh, he has tales with TR he's also on the network and I've said it the last couple podcasts uh, we're about to release another one with a, another former professional hockey player. We'll get to that uh, uh, on a later date, uh, but uh, really excited for that too. So guys, check it out, the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or on Twitter at hockeypodnet. Uh, make sure you guys, yeah, check it out because uh, some amazing content comes out of, comes off that network. Uh, no matter where you uh, live, what team you cheer for, we have a podcast for you uh, based around whatever team you cheer for. So check it out, guys. Um, other than that, uh, where are we at? We're at uh, day four uh, since Matt Thompson's been up here, guys, uh, working on the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio. Matthew Lashinsky drafted in the second round by the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Uh, also a 1987 birth year like myself and Matt Thompson. Uh, he played a couple seasons for the Sioux uh, and he battled mental health and addiction and he passed away in 2017. Uh, due to an overdose. Uh, his story is so much like mine. I never got to meet him, uh, but it's when I started this podcast, March 31st, 2020, about two months ago. Uh, you know, I've met a lot of great people and Matt Thompson was one of them and he shared the story. And uh, I just, I just, there was no reason 
that he died and I didn't with the amount of times I overdosed and everything. Um, and I was like, you know what? We have to remember this guy the right way. Uh, at the time I was cleaning out an old chicken coop on the property to record my podcast and, uh, Matt and I talked and we're like, you know what? Let's make this the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio. And since then, guys, we've had just a tremendous amount of support. Ken Campbell from the Hockey News has written an article about it. Well, about me and about the studio, which is great, guys. Check it out. Purchase that article. It just came out June 1st. Uh, but Matt Thompson's been up here. He took a week off work, guys. Uh, he's a he's a pay-on-call fire department uh, fireman uh, up in the Ottawa area. He's also a roofer. Uh, but he took time off work. Uh, he's putting in some of his own money, uh, losing money by being here. Uh, and we're getting to know each other. I just met him for the first time four days ago. He's been commuting back and forth from Barry because he's visiting his family. Um, but he took the day off yesterday because of the mosquitoes. Uh, but he's back up here today. He's out there working away, building the walls. Uh, just really, really, really nice to have him up here, get to meet him. He also owns the Maxville Mustangs, his senior A team. So if you're out there, guys, support. It's a new team coming out this year. Uh, he's trying to get me to come out of retirement. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, so check that out. But I just want to say thanks to Matt. Uh, and also, guys, if you want to help support this cause, uh, you know, there's lots of ways to do it. Get in contact with me. But, you know, Matthew Lashinsky's parents are on board, which is so great. Uh, his sister, they both put in some money to the project, which has been awesome and nice. We've had a couple other donations, guys. And uh, we're really doing this the right way. And uh, we're getting, we've had the floor donated. We're getting all the siding donated, the roof donated. It's just been incredible. Um, and again, we're just really thrilled to be able to do it in Matthew Lashinsky's honor. And I mentioned on the last podcast, guys, I've been able to connect with Matthew Punterary and Chris Lawrence, who are teammates of his in the Sioux. And actually, uh, Lawrence and I were roommates together uh, at the Tampa Bay Lightning's prospect camp for a week. And then we played together in Norfolk in the American League. Uh, and then, you know, after all coming this, we talked and him and Matthew Lashinsky were rookies together in the Sioux. So, uh, when, on Saturday, I believe we're going to record an episode, me, Thompson, uh, and then we're going to call, uh, Chris Lawrence and Matthew Pinturari and we're going to talk, uh, talk Matthew Lashinsky and, uh, their time with him and uh, a little bit about the studio. So we're excited to do that. The last thing I want to say, uh, is about the Puck Support Foundation. If you've been following along, uh, you know. We started a foundation to really help hockey players, uh, guys that don't have the NHLPA backing them, guys that really banged it out in the minors uh, or pro, like minor pro, uh, major junior, junior A, that type of thing. Uh, and, you know, maybe they're suffering with post-concussion syndrome. Maybe they have addiction problems. Uh, maybe they're having trouble finding a job, uh, depression, any of these things, guys. We are going to be the team uh, when the team is no longer there. Uh, Theron Fleury is going to be on board. I spoke to Doug Gilmore yesterday. I've written an email to Ken Dryden. Uh, my best friend, Michael Hangen, has just accepted the position as chief executive director. Uh, and then my other former teammate, uh, owner of Team Issue Limited, my main sponsor, uh, Jesse Paradise, who is the financial analyst uh, at the University of Manitoba, also a Western League alumni, uh, Kelowna Rocket, Mushaw Warrior Saskatoon Blade, uh, he has been named the director of finance and business. So things are coming together nicely, guys. Uh, we're hoping to team up with the CHL. Um, that's really going to be our main focus going forward. But if you want to help out with that, we need your help. Uh, not even so much financially right now. Uh, but if you think uh, you have a, something that can, you can bring to the table, 
Uh, even if you think it might just be something small, we want your help. We need your help. Uh, we want you to help. So uh, head over to HockeyToHeroin.com. Visit the Puck Support page. Uh, I'm actually working uh, on the Puck Support Foundation website, like an, its own website. But again, I'm busy and I'm trying my hardest. I'm working my hardest. But again, uh, it should be good to go in about a week or two. Um, other than that, guys, uh, once again, this episode is probably brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Team Issue is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling, that part of being something bigger. I always screw that up. That's three times in a row. I'm going to have to write it down. Jesse, I'm sorry if you're listening. But guys, teamissue.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. And guys, uh, if you want to win some free Team Issue gear, Taylor and I, my girlfriend, uh, who's looking very pregnant these days, uh, is we do live stream team issue giveaways every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Sign up, hockeytoheroin.com um, if you want to win. That brings me in to episode 23. And guys, I've had a lot of big names. I've been fortunate to have a lot of great guests on the podcast. I spoke with Doug Gilmore yesterday, Hockey Hall of Famer. I've had Darren Fleury, Chris Nyland, Sheldon Kennedy, Brent Sopel, Andy Sutton, Doug McLean. Uh, but honestly, above all of them, I think my favorite hockey player would be this guy. And we will get into that. Uh, he's actually born in the same city as me, Burnaby, BC, though he didn't grow up there. Uh, me and him spoke about it briefly. But this guy won the Stanley Cup four times. Four times. Uh, four different Stanley Cup rings, all with the same team. Um, and he scored the clinching goal in one of those uh, finals. And it wasn't just a, a garbage goal. It was one of the prettiest goals you'll ever see. Uh, we all recreated it. Uh, I know I did out on the front street uh, as a kid. Uh, and if anybody knows the way that I played, uh, me and this guy are, I mean, he's better than you. He's a lot better than I was. But, you know, I really try to play the same way as this guy. Four Stanley Cups, guys. Uh, he's a CHL first-team All-Star. He scored the most goals in the OHL in the 91-92 season with 55. Uh, he was also the leading scorer of the league with the Jim Mahon Trophy that year. Uh, like I said, he won the Cup 96-97, 97-98, 0-1-0-2. And then uh, in his great comeback, in 07, 08, and that was when I was in Kelowna. And actually, I wasn't able to wear number 10 because Evan Bludoff was number 10, and I had a few different choices of numbers. That could have been number 19, uh, I think another one, I, I can't remember, but 25 was available, and I uh, snatched that right away, and I was like, that's Darren McCarty, I'm taking it, 25. Uh, and that was the best year of hockey in my life. I played online with Jamie Benn, Colin Long, Tyson Berry was on that team, of course, Luke Shen, Tyler Myers. Uh, but personally, guys, uh, it was just the best season of my life. I had the most fights in my career, most points, second on the team in points, first in penalty minutes. Uh, I really try to play like this guy. Um, he's had struggles too. Um, and really, I've looked up to him. I've read his book, guys. So check it out. Without further ado, welcome to Hockey to Heroin, Darren McCarty, man. Thanks for doing this. Brady, uh, absolute pleasure and an honor, and thank you for all those, you know, kind words, obviously. Let's start this conversation off where you, where you ended with the puck support. And, uh, so I, I want you 
to understand that after the, whatever it is, as far as the website, but you have grind time with Darren McCarty, my whole team support and whatever you're doing. Have you been in contact with uh, the A4C or athletes for care? Have you heard about them? Actually, uh, I have, and okay, well, I just, I, I'm going to, yeah, no, I, no, no, because the bottom line is I will put you in contact, contact with them. I'm, sort of uh i don't know i don't consider myself riley cote is the uh, guru on this but it's something that exactly what you mentioned about is why we're here and we're going to tell you know explain the story of of not only how you and i that dude 10 was my number growing up then i went to 19 in junior they wouldn't give me 19 when i made it to detroit because some stupid eiserman dude had it so <laughs> That's uh, like the reason I chose 25 is because I had second choice. The choices were 27, 25, 18, and 14, and I don't like even numbers. So Mike Avazoff chose uh, 27, and that's why I turned to 25. But uh, back on that, we're going to get all that, the puck support and whatever you guys got going on because that's what it is. It's not about, right, when we talk recovery and stuff like that, the reason that I blare so loud is because I have the four cups and hopefully people stop and listen and I lead by example. And, and like you said, because of my story and my struggle being so public that, that we can get somewhere, but it's guys like you that I need because this fee and all your buddies and, and talking about the, the, you know, we lose soldiers on the way, you know, I lost Proby along the way, who was a great, you know, even though the, Bob Prober, he, he showed me, like, Proby never knew where the line was, except when he crossed it, he'd reveal it to me. So I was able to always keep my toes over the edge until finally God decided, like you said, why why was it me chosen to survive and, and, and move on as we've lost, uh, um, you know, people along the way, let alone how you're going to memorialize you know somebody you didn't even know but you did because he's one of our kindred spirits so it's for all the guys that ever played a game anybody that's gone through any mental issues to know that you're not alone bro and and i commend you to where you're at because um you know you understand that not a lot of people would come back from where you and i have been from and and differently, right? I I have no no experience with heroin, you know, as, as opposed to the oxycodones and stuff like that. But I'm fortunate that I never did, right? I'm an alcoholic, you know. The best thing about being an alcoholic is is not only that your body will re- repair itself, but fuck, I didn't have a coke problem because I it was just the equalizer. So fucking saved, you know. Realize that that the you know because of the alcohol, but it's something that we all struggle with. But it doesn't make it doesn't make us bad people and what you're doing now and leading by example and, and, and just trying to do the best you can and being where you're at. And what I hear out of you kid is fuck is gratitude. And that's it. That's it. Grateful for being alive, grateful for the position you're in and does life's not life's not easy, but it's good. And you surround yourself with the people that care. And that's what it sounds like you got going. So it's an honor you know, to not only be born in the same hospital that you've been born in, and and for you to be a to be a fan, uh, just to let you know, Rick Tockett was my guy. So uh, Rick Rick Tockett was the guy that I I emulated. So it means a lot. It really does, buddy. Not only because 
because you're 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 battling and you're living it and you're you're showing that transparency and vulnerability but you're i'm all, I, I get power from you so i tell everybody in michigan i'm a battery the people are my power but it's like to know that you're up there and we're just going to spread this love and let people know that it's okay to be not okay right yeah absolutely and uh, actually, Matt Thompson just walked in because I told him uh, we were on. I gave him a, one of my AirPods, so he's sitting in. He can hear. Um, but so, yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's a, going, man. good brother. And 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 you know what? That's you know, and that's phenomenal as far as you know. We'll continue the these conversations as far as how how we can help and stuff like this as far as our team. But that's all it is. It's it, that's. The, the, the things you're doing and, and, you know, just the fact that like, I'll let you continue the interview before I have this opportunity, but it's, it's so important because it's, it's like we're shining lights, bro. Right. I tell everybody and I'll lead the charge. you send everybody to me. We're not here to argue. We're here for what do you mean by that? Right. I tell everybody, Google me and I'm going to lemue your ass every time. You try to argue with me right now because I'm like Mortal Engines, the movie. We're shining this light <laughs> to the people that want to come out of the dark, bro, because they can't handle the dark. And yeah. you know dark, you know it, bro. You know, and somebody asked me this, he said, you know, about rock bottom. And I said, there's no such thing. When you just it's when you decide to keep digging. Cause I thought I'd been there a bunch of times. Holy shit, you can yeah. keep going. Right. So it's Not it's it's as long as you never quit. Don't ever quit. No matter how many times you fall down, get your ass back up because you know what? Because I hear out of you, Brady's, you're figuring it out. This man, you know what? I know how this ends. I believe it. I know the exactly, it's not that I need to exactly know where I'm going. I exactly need to know what I don't want and don't need. And that's people, places, things, you know, drugs, foods, anything, right? So, and it's because it's self-awareness, kid. And that's where you're getting to and all the things you've been through. And that, and that's why it's, it's, it's so awesome. And I'm so proud, proud of you, even though we've never met, but we have, because that's the whole thing as far as what the, you're, you're exactly what I wrote that book about in 2012, because uncle Darren wants it for all his little fucking guys out there that, that wanted to be like him or that fought that he understands that at the end of the day, when you don't know who the fuck you really are, right? It's okay, but we're going to figure it out because it's all about looking in the mirror. And when you can look in the mirror and have a conversation with that person, and as long as you don't lie to that person, then you're fine, right? I, I tell this story, like, I used to walk by it all the time. You'd be the facade because it was everything everybody wanted, but I didn't know who I was and I hated the person looking in the mirror till the one day I stopped and and I said, I'm not dealing with you right now. And he looked back at me and he said, hope you're alive when you come back. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> wow, this guy's swarmy. I like him, you know? And then we started having a conversation and it, you know, it's taken me, I'm on my third marriage. Thank God that this lady saved my life. I have, you know, I'm grateful that my four biological kids and my two step kids, um, you know, uh, are in great health and, and I'm, I'm moving, you know, making things work, bro. 
right? So oh my just, God, Darren, are you, I just hate to stop you, man, in the middle of this, but the similarities between us, wait until I get into the interview because we've already started talking, but like you just said you have four biological and stu- two stepkids. That's yeah. what I'm going to have my fourth biological here in October. And then my girlfriend has the two stepkids. Um, so that's the same uh, situation. Uh, yeah, but so, man, this, I, we've only been talking so, a few minutes and this right, is incredible. So, so you understand, I'll let you do the interview kid, but you understand that now you have a resource. You have a, you have, my, my, you have my phone number. You have my contact. I, I, Nick's my, Nick's my, see, here's the whole thing. Nick's one, one of my best buddies and he's a military guy, right? So he's the, the order oh, and the middle oh. spec and, but it's, it's the military guys. And the athletes, the dressing room, the locker room, the it's the same thing, bro. It's the oh, same sure. thing. So what he's brought to me, it's called the military spec, right? Where it's like, no matter, it's if you have a group and if it's, it's sort of like, it's like a, a breakout, right? Every team's got a sort of system. You know that the puck goes into the right corner, that it's coming up the right wall, or you're going to use the middle or whatever you practice. It's the same thing. So no matter who's goes back to get the puck, no matter who goes to do whatever, it's done a certain way and it's all about the organization. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to stop with all that, that we can continue to talk about. I'll let you do the, do the interview, but you know, <laughs> what? it's, it's, it's just, it, this, this is, you know, and, and I know that it's like higher power God shot or whatever, but it's these moments like this, these aha moments, bro. So this is what lets me know that I'm on the right path. And dude, it's like, you're my, it's like, you're my little brother, dude. It's like, it's like we have a fraternity test and you and and, and it happens that it's fucking something somebody's mom and dad ain't telling somebody shit bro because there's too much shit i mean you're 32 i'm 48 so 16 i mean god and who knows with my old man <laughs> yeah well he's in the same area right so yeah, who knows dude, well that's what you said edmonton and what i i don't think he's alive anymore um yeah. actually i'd be surprised if he was but I mean, I love him to death. But it's just you know, I didn't meet him till I was older. And when so when I played in Calgary, it was a great couple of years and stuff. But he lives in Edmonton. He's a CPA there and stuff like that. And he's you know former cop. But it's it's to learn where you come from and understand. It's not right. It's wrong. It just is. All right, I'm done. <laughs> hey man, we're doing the interview. That's all good. But like, where the similarities? Uh... They, they honestly, I, they don't end. Like, so I was, uh, you actually grew up in Leamington, Ontario. And that I know is about six hours from me because I just got a puppy from there uh, two and a half months ago. My girlfriend drove all the way down to Leamington from uh, Bracebridge uh, to get this little puppy. And this little puppy's like saved, helped save my life. But so like, you know what I mean? And I'd never yeah. heard of Leamington before. So uh, where, what did you get? <laughs> What kind of uh, a little a little chocolate lab? She's just awesome. Her name's Billy. Um, yeah, she's great, and she runs by an ATV, and she's just been awesome. So, uh, yeah. you, yeah, you, you know, were born in Burnaby, same hospital as me, same hospital as Joe Sackick. Yeah. Uh, and but you grew you grew up in Ontario. Uh, you know, you were drafted uh, in the OHL by the Belleville Bulls, uh, fourth round, fiftieth overall. Uh, what was your experience in the OHL like? Uh, and did you ever consider going after a scholarship? No, no, because back in the day, it was like my game. I mean, you know, the, the knock on me was I would never be good enough skater to make it, right? But I was told when I played junior B, the most influential person, Brian Drum, 
was my coach and I lived with him and stuff. And I was 16 years old and, he, and he'd played minor pro and he told me, he said, here's the, here's the secret. If you want to make it to the NHL, you got to do something better than 99.9% of the rest of the players that play the game. And for me, it was going to be physical. So he, that's all he had to tell me. And he taught me, he taught, you know, I learned how to fight. Um, I learned, I learned early when I got hit when I was 11, I got hit between the eyes with a baseball bat and didn't get knocked out by I mean, to split me open and stuff. But I realized like, I'm a bleeder and it makes for great fight photos, you know, but, but I, my head's like cement, you know, like, it's like, I can take a punch. Now you don't, and you know, this Brady enough in fighting, it's, it's not whether you win or lose, it's just show up, but it's not about how many you give. It's how many you can take. And if you can stand yeah. in there, you stand in there and you know that, that the, the guy next to you can take a punch or the best that you can get. That's sort of debilitating, demoralizing. <laughs> Right. That's the best part about fighting the bigger guys is because if you're a scrappy uh, guy or whatever like that, you knew some of those big guys hated to take a punch. Right. So if you could get one in on them, dude, then that would throw their game off. if They couldn't, you know, sort of bully the bully it with their size or strength. But, you know, the games change and stuff like that. But I realized that. So there was always here was it was a simple ingredient. First year you establish fight and play physical and you work. And you work and you always work as much ice time as you can to improve yourself whenever you can get on the ice. And, it, and it, you know, it's for love of the game. So I'd always, and I had skill, you know, like, like I, you know, I lit it up when I was in like minor hockey and stuff. It's just, I was, wasn't a great skater, but I had good hockey sense. And, and so the physical part of it. So I fought all my first year, you know, going into the, into playing in the W and, and stuff like that. So it was established it. And then, Still fought, but then I scored. I think I said twelve my first year, thirty my next year, and then by that my last year, I was coached by Larry Mavity's old school cowboy coach, and pretty much I would either on the ice or in the penalty box, and you know playing with Wayne Gretzky's younger brother Brent Gretzky and Jake Grimes and Tony Similero, you know we we between the four of us we all had over a hundred points, and you know like it it was the most fun. Um, year in junior, but it sort of established me. And, and I got drafted as a 19 year old in the second round by Detroit. And it's the same thing as when I went there, I looked at it and, you know, I grew up in Leamington. My house is 40 minutes, give or take 10 minutes for the border from Joe Lewis Arena. I grew up in the dead wing areas, you know, like it was unbelievable to be drafted by that. But I also knew that, you know, Proby needed help. You know, I always just wanted to be Robin, bro. Yeah, I, I, I know. I read that in your book. I just wanted I read to, that in your dude, book. I, I, like, dude, if I could be the, if I could be one of the toughest light heavyweights that could fight above his class, but could handle like, or you know, like could handle all those middle guys or you know, whatever else that that's, then then you wouldn't have to do it because there was more of a psychology. I try to. I was talking yesterday and, and, and it's more like when you watch like 15th century or medieval, you know, you got the, the archers go and then the cavalry goes and then, the, you know, the soldiers go, you know, like there's a strategy to it that if you systematically can, can strike fear into your opponents, you know, the anticipation death's worse than death itself. But if they know that, you know, it's going to be a long night, some guys love it and some guys hate it. So um, I went my year in the minors in Adirondack. I had 19 goals, 
almost 40 points in 278 penalty minutes, 45 majors, only 110. I fought everybody, fought all over my head. Fought. But on that team, I had the toughest team in pro hockey that year. I had Kirk Tomlinson, Denny Vial, Jim Cummins, Bob Bugner, Serge Anglehart, De- Cord Krupke, you name it up and down. And I was a young guy, and it was, I, you know, how many times would be fighting, like, a Brian Curran or a Rick Hayward, like just tough guys and guys behind me. Don't hurt the kid. You're you got one of us next. You hurt the kid, you know, like stuff like that. So it, it gives you that confidence. And, you know, I was fortunate that Scotty Bowman took the team over and, and he saw that there was something that I could add that, it, that it was a little different. And the one thing it was always, you know, I always took pride. The, the one thing that I realized is that I don't fight for myself. You know, I fight yeah. for a cause. I fight for the guy beside me. You can get away with doing something to me before I'll, you know, finally put up with it. And I let, I abuse myself more than anybody could ever abuse me. But you, somebody I love or one of my teammates, I'll, I'll, I'll rip your face off or I'll smash your face yeah. into the boards till it bleeds like claws in you. You know, like, I mean, I'll get you. I'll get you. It's not, it's not whether when. And when I tell you I'll get you, I'm going to get you eventually. You know, like I, t- I think I said, uh, uh, hockey players are like elephants. They have long memories. <laughs> they absolutely do. And, I mean, I played the same way. Uh, there's a lot of uh, – I fought a lot in the dub. I think I had 60 fights in four years and something. And my last year I had like 26 fights and uh, 70 points or something like that. Right. Not a bad year. Yeah, and I was the year. same way, right? And the same way. And I had the same mentality. I fought all – I fought the toughest guy. I actually one punched the toughest guy in the in the whole league that year. Luckily, it? he jumped me. Like luck, I'll, I'll show you the clip. And I fought a guy that was six foot nine. That was like maybe the biggest pussy ever. He was from Sweden. But I mean, oh, well, was, I mean that don't count. It was. It was no, always. No, you can't, dude. Teammate, when right? you're telling that story from now on, because you're retired and stuff, you just say the dude six. Dude, don't bring in the Swedish. Yeah, he's Is from he Saskatchewan. He's a farm boy. He's six foot nine. <laughs> he has, what he's Swedish descent, so he's Canadian. No, I don't no, know. I'll, Where was he born, bro? Sweden. His name is his name is Patrick Magnuson. Come on. No, but if he was right. So I'm just saying. But who is the toughest guy that you one punch? Oh, Ben Olsen. He fought all the guys in the in the AHL. Yeah, I remember um, that name, bro. I know. He, I, he I was hockeyfights.com. We all did it the same yeah. way, dude. You watch. You know, it's funny that you say that because I remember strictly going back to junior that we, uh, the the guys I hung, like my last year junior was awesome. And, and our school was, you know, it wasn't divided. It was like everybody did everything. It was like the hockey guys in the, the school were one and the same. So all my buddies, uh, well, I made it that way, bro. <laughs> No, no, I, I swear to God, I swear to God, I, you know what, you, you lead by example, and I was fortunate yeah, that, right. that I was, hey, I had the stoner school and the skid school and whatever, but I had good guys, and I was the one that played rugby, I was the one that stayed all year round, yeah. I, so I was pretty much like the president without being the president. You weren't a scrum half, were you? Yeah, I was. Uh, me too, this is too fucking weird. Dude, yeah, and then, and then, and then <laughs> played out, yeah, absolutely, sevens and shit like that, because I never yeah. played football. But I love the yeah. physicality. But it was the fact that, you, dude, we used to study. We used to, I remember, we used to study history. And I remember because we used to name how could we remember. We sit in a study group because we'd watch hockey fights or watch hockey fight tape. 
and you know Shane Spire to Churla, how to remember guys' names and stuff, and we'd mix in the nicknames and and do all the different stuff. But we did the same things. I'm sure that you know you guys did it with the watching guys fight and the, to know if you you know going into a game you know who you might have to go against and how many times you fought this guy. I mean, you know, like. I mean, I remember, like, people say that some of the toughest guys, like, in junior, Ryan Vandenbush wasn't as big as he was, but, oh, my God, dude. I used to – I remember – and he hates it when I tell this story. Cause I actually I, hate – I have a story about him, too, but keep going. I have his name written right here. I was just showing I Matt. I used to hang yeah. him out, and I used to tee off on him, and he just – I couldn't – he he just take a freaking beating, and every time Cry he told me that Mark Crawford just send him out because this is my the last year, right? Better me be on in the box and scoring goals. But he was the toughest little sucker. And I was just like, thank God he wasn't that big back then. But uh yeah, then I always remember he was like cause he was just a tiny kid. He was like had to be like 160 pounds at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've way. actually I actually met Bushy when I was uh, ten years old. Uh, my a guy that coached me growing up. Um, out in, I met Bush. I don't know what you heard, but I met Bushy when I was ten. Well, hold, uh, this guy. Hold on, I thought a, a gust of wind might have knocked the rabbit ears off the antenna off the roof of the trailer up there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably, like, dude. That's because I'm jealous, bro. I don't don't. It just I'm looking at the screen with the lakes and stuff and the ATVs and the dog running, and I'm like mother scratchers. You know, so anyways. Yeah, it's, uh, well, if you ever come out this way, man, you'll have to come check it out, man. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, I met Bushy when I was 10. So I went to a, a practice with this guy that used to be my coach. He gave me a stick when I was 10. Um, and actually, uh, Vandenbush is coming on too. He was supposed to come on last week, but uh, he's just been busy doing his thing. But I know you guys had a lot of great battles. Uh, you also had a lot of great battles with one of my coaches, Dean Chanel. Oh, my God. Talking about him. Oh. Dude, he was awesome, dude. And uh, like, and we battled because uh, in CDI in the in the minors that that one year we used to fight Adirondack and Capital District were, um, you know, rivals like an hour and a half apart or whatever like this. And that was the Islanders farm team. We had two bench brawls, and I think we fought like three times that year. But then we got in a fight when he my first year, and it, it was a great fight in the aisle. And he hit me, and I got a pressure cut. He hit me on the helmet and it split me like a uh, cantaloupe for like 45 right in the top of the head. But it's a cool picture in the fight because there's blood dripping down my face. And it's he's a big, he was a big lefty, dude. And he was tough, tough as nails. And, and we used to just, we used to just beat on each other, dude. So it was, he was, he was awesome to me. He gave me so many chances. Uh, he was, uh, he was a great coach for me. And uh, yeah, he taught, he taught me how to fight too. He taught us all how to fight. Uh, how to how to protect ourselves, yeah, um, and never and never you know never ever made anybody fight or you know he loved it. Don't get me wrong, it would it was like one of the only things that made him smile. Uh, he loved it when I fought Derek Dorsett. I don't know if you oh dude, Derek. so yeah, dude, so that because he's a that's a like like he's a guy I'd say a bigger size because he because he moves, throws both hands. He's more of a pugilist, right? Would you be would you yeah. more of a pugilist like? cross that was me i had to see it started to suck when they put in the jersey rule for me right because the jersey was like a gi and it was there is being a lefty and fighting the bigger guys and being able to get out of my jersey was a tactic uh you know more because i didn't hit as hard as other guys right but i threw yeah. quick and 
you get them more off balance. But yeah, no, I I I like Derek Dorsett as a as a player as a as a scrapper. Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he he played for the Medicine Hat Tigers, and uh, he's a pest. Like, I was voted, like, most hated player by the other players. Uh, I'm just a pest on the ice, too. Like, guys just didn't like me. I uh, didn't like – they loved to have me on your team, but you hated to play against me, right? And But Derek was the same way, and uh, he was running around one night, and, uh, you know, nobody wanted to fight him because he's tough, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember Chanel – I was 19 – uh, Derek was 20 and D Dean's like, is anybody going to fucking do anything about this guy? And I was just like, fuck. And he had asked me to fight a couple times and I was like, ah, I don't know. Right. I was just fuck whatever. But that was really the year I started fighting a lot because that was the year I quit the year before I quit for a girl and came back uh, and asked to come back. Actually, they traded me. I didn't go to Everett. So then my rights went back to Swift Current. I actually stayed and played junior A and was doing lots of ecstasy and coke and shit. And that's all I was doing, missing games. They went on to win the RBC while I fucking was partying. Went begged to go back to the to the WHL, to Dean Chanel. He made me play on the fucking fourth line for like the first half of the year. So I was like, fuck, I got to start fighting or something. Like, because I was a rookie of the year at 17. And then, uh, right. you know. Yeah. So whatever. And uh, yeah, I started fighting. And anyways, I fought, uh, I fought Doris and, you know, uh, it was a good fight. We went back and forth. He actually broke his hand on my face. And, but that, that earned me a lot of respect from Dean and uh, that kind of put me back in his good books, I guess. But yeah, he, he was good. But I mean, what do you, what do you think about fighting in the game today? And like all the anxiety that comes with it. Cause listen, we we've seen what's happened um, to so many guys uh, Todd Ewan, Rick Rippin, fucking Belak, yeah. uh, man, like Bugard. I played with Aaron Bugard uh, in the CHL after I went to rehab and did a comeback. I played with Derek's little brother the, the season after, or the summer after, or the year after that happened. Um, and, you know, like I just, this is another thing with the Puck Support Foundation. Like these are NHL players, uh, Darren, you had a lengthy NHL career. Um, you have also been very open about some of your financial struggles in your book, because let's be honest, like you said, I love the way you put it in the book. You said you could spend a hundred grand just as fast as you spend a hundred bucks, just because now you have this more money, you're in a different caliber of, of oh, yeah. you know, I mean, you're in nicer places and it's just, it's well, all just it, relative to where you are. And, and here it is, right? Here's the whole point of the matter is that when you're in it, you can't see it. So what's important is that. And that's why you look at the guys, and I'll use, for example, you look at the, the Kirk Maltby's and the Chris Scrapers, who are members of the grind line. They have, that's right. they have their buddies and always have had their childhood friends, right? Have had their, their family or their brothers or, or people like around them, the support unit that they know at the end of the day they don't stray from like I look at the Draper family structure tree and and just you know the friends and 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 everything like that and and looking back and to see that and and you can relate to this is because you don't when you don't have accountability at least to yourself see when my stepdad died in 99 then I lost all accountability to any male figure pretty much and then when you think you know it all it doesn't matter because like you said Trust me, as the zeros go up in your pocket, not only do the the do the extravagances go up, the bills go up, and the people that around you that if you don't you're not solidified, then all of a sudden there's so many more people there, and then you're vulnerable because you don't know who you are to to because you're searching through them. 
right? So it starts with them. Yeah. So once you do, then it doesn't matter because then you realize when you realize that the hundred dollars is the same as the hundred thousand, it's all about relativity and what you need, right? And what you don't need and what's important to you. And then you, you know, you realize that and you come out of some forms of more gratitude and stuff like that. But it's just to realize that if here's the whole point, if you, if, if you haven't experienced it, but you trust a hundred percent, the person that told you is what will happen and you can lessen the blow or, you know, head that way. And then that starts to get the flame. You're saying, okay, you know, some of us like you and me, Brady, we, uh, we heard all this. We didn't listen, right? We had to go experience yeah. it ourselves. Now you and I can make a whole, whole dumpster fire of times that we shouldn't have, that we wish we would have listened, but that wasn't our path. Now our path is to speak that we, we, we survived it because some people didn't to let the younger ones avoid it. So though, <laughs> the whole thing you asked the first part of the question was about fighting and fighting in hockey. I think it's just the awareness of, see, I think it's the greatest equalizer because it's accountability on the ice. The fear of death is worse than death itself. You know that somebody on the end of the bench isn't going to let you get away with treating anybody outside the game. Now you can play the game hard, but when you act wrong, somebody's going to hold you accountable. That's the whole thing. In my opinion, What's wrong with a lot of things is the accountability factor. So yeah. if we don't hold ourselves accountable, that's where it's got to start. So, I mean, it's a whole different, but, but as far as yes, we need to do, and it's not like you mentioned, it's, it got, it's not about the people that we've lost. It's the people that are here that we can save now. Um, yeah. Whatever level, because I don't care if, if you've played one game in junior one game or whatever, and you're going through something, you can reach out and you can talk about it because at the end of the day, we're all human beings and there's something that we can relate to. And if hockey is the start of it, or, you know, like, the, like the big thing for me is cannabis is the start of it or um, yeah. whatever, in, you know, in my journey with, with everything that, that I got. And so it's just, it's just being comfortable. So it goes, it goes to look at the people around you and, my wife and I have a saying and you can, you know, is that, are you talking to me as my wife or are you talking to me as my best friend? And, and I listen differently when it's my wife, I can tune it out. But when she says, I'm talking to you as your best friend, whether how much I hate it, I have to listen. I don't have to hear. I can hear as her husband, as her, as her best friend, I have to listen. And, and it's that communication that was taught and, you know, the, you know, trust and it's, and it's all in that, but it's all a journey into finding out who you are and you know, it starts within. So it covers all, all the rest of it. Um, and yeah, I, to answer your question, there should always be fighting in hockey because, because people don't respect each other. The sticks come up, they hit them from behind all that other garbage that comes from it, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I tend to agree. And you, you mentioned the cannabis thing and I, I've talked about it on my podcast. So like the, the name of my podcast, Hockey and Heroin, The Road to Recovery. So hockey to heroin, heroin and hockey obviously don't go together. And it actually was a, right at the last moment. I was just um, I did, just decided to record a podcast like maybe a few hours before I did the first one. And I just hopped in my girlfriend's mom's car and just started talking for 20 minutes with no guests, no nothing. And um, it was in, you know, it was originally just hockey to heroin. 
but I, I was like, oh, it's got to be something positive. And really nothing go nothing in my life at that point, just two months ago, was was too positive, other than the fact that I had another baby on the way and I needed to get my shit together. Right. Um, I was just out of jail in November. Uh, so this is March 31st, uh, really not that long. And when I got out of jail, uh, I did relapse for a little bit, not very long, but I was like, man, this is not what I, and I overdosed and like, um, I was like, man, I can't do this. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, so I want people to know that like, yeah, I'm clean off drugs. I'm, I, I, I don't drink. Um, but I too, uh, smoke cannabis and for me, uh it it helps and i get it people are gonna be like oh it's a gateway drug it's, it's this that. Well, guess they're what? not educated enough yeah to let's have the yeah, conversation because it's a plant right and it's a plant and and here's the question here's here's my whole thing on this okay it's not 2000 not 2010 2020 what we knew in 2000 2010 as far as the opioids and the heroin and and the way that yeah. uh, prescriptions were were pushed I am not going to sit here and go back and go, well, this and that. No, we didn't have the education. It's 2020. We have the education on this plant. This plant saved my life because of the love of, of the people that believed in it that could get me off. I was probably hours from dying. Um, the only reason I didn't, I, I used to be 70 pounds heavier. My blood pressure was 260 over like 160. I didn't stroke out or anything like that. Um, but because of all the, all the cannabis I had in my system and then I detoxed on Rick Simpson oil, RSO, which is the plant concentrate. And that, that is what I swear to, to this day, as far as allowing your endocannabinoid system, which is anything with the spine, which is anything with the spine, right? You have this system that this plant feeds. So it's about education because now we're in 2020 and all those old, um, stereotypes, they're out the window. So let's just stop there. This is a medication. If you're going to take an Advil, if you're going to take, this is about the option. Now, at the end of the day, this isn't about whether you do or you don't. It's do you know that you have the option? That's what it is. The option to say, what do you mean by that? Oh, what do you mean by that? But I don't like to smoke. Well, you never have to smoke to enjoy the medicinal properties of this plant. Well, what do you mean? Well, there's different ways to take it. How do you enjoy? It? And then you get into a, you get somebody into a conversation because it's about education. And the education is out there now. I can direct you to the studies that have been done or that are being done. I know for myself that anybody that knows me, I won four Stanley Cups with the Detroit Red Wings. I now, since retirement, I figured out that I've taken that red wing off, put it to the side. I've taken this cannabis plant and I planted it right next to my heart where I used to defend that winged wheel, right? That's where it is yeah. because this is, and it's about the option. Now, I'm blessed here in Michigan. Look at in Michigan, can, uh, cannabis is, is legal. Um, I'm involved in Pin Canada. The Darren McCarty brand is coming out. What I'm really excited about is my, awesome. is my, what I'm really excited about is the Darren McCarty brand roll on um, hemp, which is specifically made. Uh, we spent six months making it. It's got sort of a, a lavender ish. Um, so it's, it's sort of got a little smell like when you go into a, to get a massage or something like that. So it's it. And it's something that that is something that's e-commerce. So it can be spread worldwide. Right, because it's about giving people a relationship, and a, and no better place to start a relationship with this plant than to offer them some pain relief. 
by just using Absolutely. it. So, so, so it's about education, bro. And you don't worry about that. You, what you need to worry about is you uh, stay in the path and bringing people to the conversation, right? I, I, I'll take care of the ones that want to argue. You send them my way and we'll, we'll have a big, we'll have the big brother, big boy talk. And, and <laughs> pretty much we're like, I'll tell them to go fuck themselves and they don't know what they're talking <laughs> about. And I'm still here because of this plant and will be. And so it, you too can have this relationship if you choose with the plant and, and the relationship changes every day. Now it's not like, I guarantee that you and I, our system is absolutely different because what you have to realize is I'm, I'm lucky cause I'm an alcoholic. My stuff will repair itself, my body. And, and, you know, as I've, you know, I'm down to, I'm in better sh- shape now than I was, you know, at the end of my career. You know, I'm down to 210 pounds. You know, I'm. I mean, I I got a freaking eight pack with. And I don't. Do, I don't do anything. You know, like other than golf and cut my two acre grass. You know, like it, it's. It, it, but I believe so much in in all of it. But I, it, it's in different ways and being educated. And I've met some great people that are way smarter than, than I am. Um, that it, it, it's just a blessing. So the journey and with you because with heroin and and it's the receptors that are severed. So they'll never come back together. You're always going to have that urge, but if we can take that urge and, and tone it down a little bit so that it's not the aching of the toothache, but you know, it's like, Oh, it's there. Right. Then, then you can move on with your life. And if you understand that that's the way that you operate, then at least you can move forward and, you know, be well-educated. That's all I hope for anybody is that realize that you have the option now, you know, Canada's legal too. And, um it's you know and and at the end of the day what i preach is don't tell me what you use and tell me who you got it from whether the brand the name you know stuff like that because as you find out just like anything else there's a lot of different ways to make a lot of different things and um you know i trust the people that i trust and that's why i decided to get in the game and make my own stuff that's awesome. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, when I when I found that out, I was actually excited to hear that. Um, I think it's uh, it's it's really important. It's saving my life. I know. Like I'll tell you, between um, you know using cannabis products, um, I've just recently started uh, CBD, um, and not used it enough to be able to tell you um the effects but i you know with the research i'm just uh really really um you know willing to to put everything into it i'm I'm really confident in it so yeah you know and and of course i and i smoke my pot but uh between the podcast and that and then the kids like i'll tell you what i don't have any urges to go out and use any hard drugs and like yourself uh, i started with ecstasy like and you talk about it in your book um and actually the funny another thing the funny i wanted to tell you is um, when I was 18, uh, actually when I was 15, uh, my dad sold our house and we moved in with my stepmom uh, and her two kids. Well, originally we were supposed to sell both houses, my house and her house and buy a bigger house. Well, anyways, that never happened. We sold our house. We moved in with them. Well, um, there was not like, it's a nice house in a nice area, but there was no bedroom. So do you know what we did? We turned my room into the garage, into my room. And I basically had my own come, my own door, come and go as you please, my own little apartment. And I read in your book, you oh had my very much the same setup. Jesus. So when I came over, yeah, I know it, it, it's, it's honestly insane. Right. And, uh, you know, and I thought it was great at the time, but shortly after that, I got kicked out of my house and, um, to this day, 
Uh, I don't get along great with my stepmom and I'm trying to work on that. And my relationship with my dad is coming around. I, you know, uh, I didn't see it at the time, but I mean, I was a disaster putting a lot of uh, unneeded pressure on their relationship and just throwing parties when they weren't home. And I didn't understand why she got mad. But now it's like, if my, you know, I can understand how disrespectful it was and all that. So uh, hopefully everything comes around, but that was just another thing. Um, I wanted to bring up a, a funny story actually uh, from your book and I laughed my ass off because I played with this guy in Swift Current. Uh, when you when you were in uh, Grand Rapids uh, in the American League, the coach came in and looked at Tyler Redenbach and oh. said, and you Q-tip, when are you going to start to show some jam? Because uh, he's got the little, I don't know if it was blonde when he played with you. It he was. had a little blonde afro when I played with him. It's unbelievable. And, uh, I mean, I laughed so hard. And we call him Orv because Orville Redenbacher's oh. popcorn. But uh, Reds, like uh, yeah, man, that that would, must have been so funny. Uh, if you could just tell that story a little bit. That's yeah, funny. so Mike Stuthers, we're in, we're in Rochester. And it's an afternoon game. And we just like... Uh, We'd lost one nothing, or it was it was a second intermission, and we were down one nothing. But we had like two five on threes and something. It just wasn't going going our way. Goalie Jimmy Howard was just bailing us out and stuff. And and Stuthers, he like he got animated. But uh, Mark Hardigan was our captain, and he was sitting beside me. And Redenbach was actually sitting two down for me. And it, and they weren't stalls. It was just like the benches, sort of in the dress rooms. And uh, he comes in Stuthers, and when he get mad he'd start spitting and and so you know hardy and i are the veterans and stuff so it's like you know he's gonna give it to the kids and i think he was giving it to garrett stafford who probably wasn't even listening to him anyways but um so he just is looking around the room he's looking around the room he's looking at somebody he's looking at hardy and i we won't look at him right like this because we know and he looks at renbach who's just staring at him and he goes and you 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 q-tip looking <laughs> motherfucker when are you gonna do something like something like, like that? I literally, I literally had my towel. I had to. I spit in my towel. I can hear Hardigan laughing beside me, holding it in, and then he walked out. And I felt bad for the kid. I just had to say, you know, dude, that, that was like, oh, that was a good one. <laughs> you, you better, you've been called that before. He goes, yeah, you know. So he was talented, right, box. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's a really good playmaker. He had 105 points in the Western League playing with Swift Current. Uh, I remember all these numbers. I don't know why, but, um, like, yeah, hey, you, you know. Stats. stats, bro. Yeah, you, stats. You, had, uh, you had such a successful career. Uh, did you party a lot when you were playing? I know you read it. It's in your book. Obviously, you did. There's different times in your life where um, you were drinking more heavily in that. But, I mean, like, when you were playing with the Red Wings – um absolutely were you you were like really out of control were you out of control would you say no because on it now? Like, see here's the thing right when i remember okay so remember i told you they'll probably show me the line or whatever that that i would get cut off see that's how it started right like in 94 95 is that cut off drinking uh you know before the playoffs and don't drink through the playoffs and then get you know go crazy in the summer and you know that sort of was the way it is but you know we used to party at the we had the post bar downtown put it this way when we started in like 94 90 or 93 94 or whatever and go in there there was one of them after we won the cup in 98 there were seven of them wow. <laughs> but it was just a little <laughs> hole in the wall bar that and it was great because all the all the 
people that worked at Joe Louis Arena and, and, you know, like they were our friends too. It was all family and stuff. And there, everybody was younger. So we were all like, you know, in our young twenties and stuff like that. So, we, it, and it was, it was different in the nineties, bro. It was this party. And then, so, so it, it was picking your spots, but that was it is, is picking your spots. And it had some, you know, leadership. So it really wasn't until I didn't get out of control until, like, I, you know, I get off the leash in the summer times and I end up in different countries and shit, stuff like that. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just that I, I disappear on, you know, OzFest for two weeks and stuff. I'm, you know, well, one of the things, that, and, and I know the answer is yes to you, but the, one of the things I always live by is, uh, you know, I don't live by what ifs, you know, and, and you know, the, a lot of times it's crash and burns, like, you, you know, a lot of times it was like I I do some shit and probably that I wouldn't do, but if I didn't get the story or if my buddies knew that I had the opportunity and didn't do it because they could never do it, I felt obligated a lot of the time. You know, like that's yeah, the, I know what you mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you know, you get caught in that, but that's when you're trying to be everything to everybody else, and you know, that's uh, too old for that now. So I'll just be me. <laughs> Pretty, pretty wild stories, uh, you know, hanging out with one of your idols there after OzFest and you got hammered and you woke up and he's watching over you. Yeah, dude, dude, Zach Wild, the guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne, Black Label Society. So um, actually my boys, uh, Chance from uh, Calgary, we met in New York for OzFest and got backstage. So Phil Kudos, the head of security and John DeServio is a bass player with Black Label and they're huge uh New York Rangers uh Jersey fans and they rec they saw it, recognized me and whatever and had us come back there before and we were chilling and, and you know having some beers on the bus and then dude they just invited me to go on the you wanna go you you know we're going to Hartford next you wanna go for a run for a week or whatever and I'm like and it's in the back of my mind that I know I, I know I'm going to rehab. Like when I come, if I go home, then I'm going to rehab two weeks early. If I go on Ozfest for two weeks and 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 roadie for Black Label for a week and System of Down for a week, you know, rehab will still be there. I mean, I've I've only been like, you know, three times or yeah, three times. I mean, or two at that point or whatever. I don't know, but it uh, so I did and and we got into Hooters, and so me and Zach are competing in pitcher chugging contest with mark and phil mark's the tour manager zach's brother-in-law but they're cheat we're chugging pitchers of guinness and about 12 oh pitchers God. yeah but they're those guys are cheating because they're sneaking away going to puke between them so zach and i aren't so anyways i'm hammered i make it back to the tour bus and i crawl and i go to puke but i make it to the tile and i puke all over the tile of the tour bus i pass out i wake up on the couch and i go down i got you know Go to step down, take a leak. This tells you what a great human being Zach Wild is. He's laying there with no pillow, no blanket, you know, like like it was like a, a loyal dog. Just I'm like, dude, he's like, just wanted to make sure you're all right, brother. You know, like like this, like it was no big deal. And you know, it was just that's 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 the people that you know, like just for not even knowing it, but you know, that's the that's the sort of people that, that I love to have and do, you know, call as friends and, and have that experience. So, um, that, that just like, and I love to share people that is because, Hey, you know what type of guy he is here? Let me tell you a story. 
<laughs> well, no, I mean, and then you went and partied with oh, yeah, went and went System with of Down. System of yeah, Down. So, uh, That's crazy. Yeah, so Danny, uh, Danny, they're, uh, Darren Malakian, who's lead guitarist, his uh, personal assistant from, uh, is from the neighborhood in Detroit that I lived in. So uh hooked up with them for a week. I learned so much about music that that week and what a great what a great guy darren is malakian and um you know tell all the stories that he wrote um wrote toxicity on black tar heroin he never he doesn't remember writing it you know he, he never he doesn't remember writing it he didn't you know he had to relearn the songs and all that shit that's uh, wild and, and they're just sick live bro i watched him six times from the side stage and it was just unbelievable one of my favorite, I, I one of my can, favorite band. In fact, when I, I go cut, the, I think he just pumped me. I, I think he, I was trying to decide what I was going to go cut the lawn to later on. I think I'm going to cut it to System of a Down. All right, good job. Yeah, good they're, job, they're, so, they're they're so good. I I got to see Tool live uh, once uh, when they were playing in Victoria, and they they were really good live too. But System of Down would be probably even better because the guy from Tool, he's kind of a kind of weird. He doesn't really like the spotlight and stuff. It was a different type of concert. But, uh, I'm a huge yeah, I'm a huge System of a Down fan, and uh, you know you're a talented musician too. You were in the band Grinder. I know you guys are. I don't know. I, you guys are not performing anymore. I yeah, know you we lost fired your back up. Grinder. We fired. Oh, you did fire back up. Fired back up uh, last last fall, so we're ready to go. The pandemic slowed us down. We were in the middle of writing some new stuff. So yeah, Billy Reedy, my uh, lead guitarist and buddy from way back in the heyday. Um, is the other original member, but it's all the guys that uh, I know in the music business and that he played with with the Ty Stone band. So um, it just it it we played one show and it just it felt like you know riding a bike or felt like getting back getting back at it. You know, there's some sort of rust, but I've been doing comedy for two years, bro, and I figured out doing comedy and and or actually I'd say I'm not a comedian. I have a band. I'm not a musician, but I'm an entertainer. Right. So I've been entertaining and I travel around telling all the stories and different stuff like that. But that's what I realized that the, the band, the front man, that audience is everything I want. You know, you give me the microphone, you have somebody listen to me, you're screwed. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So I look forward to as this pandemic closes out, we got, we got a whole bunch of things planned between the comedy, the band, and you know the weed and everything else. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's all, and and you know what? It's all about it's all about people that are looking to be a part of something that they know they're missing, or looking to be a part of something that they don't know that they're missing, but they're intrigued, and it's for everybody. That's the whole thing. Is and if it's not for you, we don't hate you for it. But if you're not doing what we're doing, fuck off. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, I love I love that mentality. Um, you, this is honestly such a fucking cool experience for me. Like, you, you know, when you get you like I've seen you on TV. Obviously, I watched you play. I love the way you fucking played. Even like not even just like I love the way you play in between whistles. Uh, it, like just all your whole fucking game. I just tried to emulate it. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm, I'm and then you, you know you you never know like what to expect. You know like so I've got to talk to a few people through this outlet, and I would never say um, who or when that time was. But there's been a time, possibly two, um, that I've talked to people, and it's been great. Don't get me wrong. Every interview I've done has been great. But 
you know, I was almost kind of like, you know, I felt like, oh, this person's so busy or they do it so much or I'm just something else. But like talking with you, it's like, holy fuck, I feel like I'm talking to my body. Like I'm like, yeah. wow, like this is and this is by far uh, the best experience I've had. No offense to any other my guests. Um, but as far as a personal basis, uh, just being able to relate to you and being able to watch you and, and grow. And this is just when you get to meet like someone that's your idol and then when they're, you know, and then they're like even better than what you expected. That's what's happening for me right now. So it's let, me, like, let me tell you, I, let me tell you, kid, you know what that's called? It's called the Dave Grohl effect because anybody who knows me is Dave Grohl is my man crush. And I got to hang out with him before he played a show here back in the day and spin tunes and talk to him and dude it was the same thing and I, i'm the same way right i'm a big fan of people and, the, and there's certain people that you understand and you know you look up to you don't want to be let down but then you realize you know but it's okay to, to it's okay to be vulnerable but you got to understand everybody's different but dave Grohl was like that's blew right. me away because he's everything that you expect him to be and that's all it is so it's a dave Grohl. so it's and it's the more comfortable that I become in my skin. It's the more than I can share, bro. And and nobody sh would, should take offense because you look at the, like in all seriousness, um, what, like, and you know, spiritually or whatever, but this is like big, this is like watching the ancient aliens and shit. There's some shit here that we have that, the connection, right. That's bigger than us. Like, that's the one thing is that you and I, and, and you know what, I, you know what, you got screwed, dude. You t chose to follow me and look at what it did to you. But, but that's not true. No, no, no. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that because you know what I know is you're one of those, you're, you're somebody that I can talk to, to relate to how dark it is. There's not many people that in the same way, like I can tell you about, you know, you might've been on that bus trip in the winter time where you know this here and i was had one back earlier in ontario or or you know guys getting shit faced on the bus on the way back from the states smuggling booze in when we played the u.s and stuff like all those stories or whatever yeah. you get it right you got it oh dude which reminds me so i got before i get sidetracked so they took my book and mess fucking comics my buddy dominic ruggiero uh, it's turn. We're turning it into a 150 page graphic novel that'll be out uh, in in December, right? With all the pictures and all the things we're talking about and stuff from the book, but even more stuff. But awesome. but check out Mass Bucket Comics. But check out the Donnie Brook comic book because if you've seen the stuff that I've posted or whatever, I created the Burnaby Blazers, the pot smoking lumberjacks from from uh, Canada. What? Yeah, dude, the Burnaby Blazers, bro. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna. We're gonna. I've never heard of this. It. Yeah, man, I'm for sure. Look up best fucking comics. Look up Donnie Brook. So, so my buddy Dom's created this hockey. He's in the comic book. So we're in the Astronomicon world and the Comic Con world now. And so we got a comic book that that I do stories based on like junior stories. I did it. So in the book, in the second episode, so they introduce a team. So he's got the Michigan Massacre that he came out in the first book. The second book is I got the. Burnaby Blazers, the pot smoking lumberjacks from uh I'll send you a picture of uh I'll send you a picture of the jersey. Um anyways, awesome. and then Brian O'Hallander played Dante and Clerks as the Hell's Kitchen Heathens. Uh Brandon Inster based <laughs> for the Tigers as the Lynchburg Moonshiners. Roddy Piper's estate as the Kilted Avengers. There's a team that's in Ohio called the Ohio Thrill 
that's about to get traded somewhere, I believe, in the comic book. But <laughs> but in the second book, I wrote the stories where they interviewed introduced the Burnaby Blazers and stuff, and you'll appreciate some, wow. some of the guys. But I the stories that I don't know if you had this, but we got init one of the initiations on the bus was uh, seven of us rookies got locked in the bathroom naked with our clothes tied together, and we couldn't come out till our clothes were 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 dressed no. again. Man, listen to this. Me and my buddy, I'm texting him right now. I'm not even kidding. Mike Hangan, who's, I told you, is the executive director, chief ex director for the Puxwire Foundation. Um, he, We were just talking about that story last night because we, I, I had to do that at the under-16s or under-17s. I can't remember. But the same right. shit, man. We were just talking about that story. So I know exactly what you mean. Like, this is the... You know, so we could relate on the hockey side, but also the, you know, the dark times. Too. Absolutely. And, uh, definitely, guys, guys, check that out. Uh, make sure you send me the links for that. I'll make sure I post them right under because I want everyone to see that. I definitely want to see it. Um, you know, uh, you, you do a lot. You've done a lot of interviews and, um, you know, so many about hockey, Darren. And, you know, but I mean, there's so much more to you um, than Darren McCarty, the hockey player. Uh, but let's get back just to hockey, just for just for a couple minutes, because I'll be honest, the uh, the premise of this podcast is yes, it's hockey to heroin, and um, all of my guests have been hockey players except for one, my my one of my best friends, a professional boxer. Um, but I mean, there's so much more to uh, this podcast and what I want to do than the hockey aspect of it. So this is why Absolutely. this uh, conversation, this is why this conversation is so important. You know what grind time, um, you know what time with Darren McCarty is? That's everything that I want. So, like, you know, what? I'll go and talk whatever else to where everybody else wants. But when people say, well, what's grind time with Darren McCarty? We're talking with the people that either I know or want to know or the stories. And it's about you know, me learning and meeting the people too. So that's what it is. Is This is yours. It's it's about that, but it's all, because it's all your story, because you're living your recovery, bro. And that's what that yeah. that's what helps people to hear how you're doing and you being honest and open with them. That's what I've learned. And, and if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. If you're sad, you're sad. But when you're sick and tired, being sick and tired, stop. And then let's figure yeah, out how to move on. You don't have to do it by yourself. You just raise your hand. That's, that's you raise it. your hand and say, bro, guys, I need help. Okay, what do you need, bro? Let's talk it out. Okay, no, yeah. You're absolutely, you're thinking about it absolutely wrong. If you thought about it this way, and it's about perspective a lot of times. And if you trust where the perspective's coming from, then you can move on and you understand you're not in this. What this to me is all about is that, dude, we're not alone. No matter what it is, this is what starts us, whether it's cannabis, whether it's hockey, whatever it is, but it's about the human being experience. And if you've struggled with heroin or alcohol or if you've lived life or you haven't even experienced any of that, but you're interested on to stay away from it or what to avoid, boom, here's another avenue to listen to it. You don't need to, you know, I don't, everybody, they just need to, to, to know that my show is out there to tune into it. And then I'm like, I send everybody your way because it's your perspective and, and right. your journey and everything. And as similar as ours are, there's a parallel to them too. It's like a, you know, alternative universe at different dates and times. Like when I when I say, "Are you sure we're not related?" I mean, like seriously, we're gonna have to do <laughs> one of those DNA tests, I guess. And I'm shit. telling you, man. Hold on a sec. Where uh... were you born? <laughs> shit, Burnaby, not in Seattle, right? <laughs> Your mom's not okay, from Seattle, funny. right? <clears throat> no. Okay, good. Yeah. No, she's from Vancouver. Oh, God, 87, but, uh, 87. You're 87. <laughs> I thought you said 91. Yeah. I was getting worried. 
no <laughs> yeah no that'd be hilarious um <laughs> uh i wanted to, to talk about hockey for a sec but actually what i want i just uh remembered this um in your book you mentioned uh you were able to stay so sober for 10 years um then you went to hawaii with a bunch of guys from the yeah. team and, and some of the wives uh you decided to, to drink one morning um you in the book you you hadn't really just figured out why i'm not sure if you still have uh whether it was the sun or the success or or have you thought about that at all since then yeah i didn't uh um you know the the i i i think that where i was i wasn't in a great place and it was more of a just a sign of a uh, sign of help you know, like, I just think I got myself in a spot that the only way I knew out of was to restart, <laughs> so yeah. to speak, because, or just try something different or, or that was really the, the last time that I thought that I could control it. Right. Like the, like after I, after I won the cup again and, and then retired and was almost killed myself, I was almost trying to kill myself. I knew. No. I wasn't trying like that. Like I wasn't, I knew exactly everything that I'd learned and they taught me that that was me full fledged, but I didn't care that back in, I thought, uh, you know, that it either was, you know, something like that, or, you know, as Paul Coffey used to say, the goon can't handle prosperity. And there's a little too much prosperity <laughs> there, you know, in Hawaii, you know, yeah. figuring I could just leave it there and, you know, or, or, you know, who knows? It just at the yeah, end of, well, at, it, at the end of the day, dude, it, it's just like sort of the, you see that the domino needed to start. You didn't, you know, you didn't realize the path would be this way or that way, but you know, it ended up the way it was. Yeah, the reason why I ask is just because you know I I foresee myself staying clean for a long time, but at the same time I know um, that I'm an addict for life. And uh, I have to stay vigilant and, and that these things can happen. And that's why I didn't want to put you on the spot. And no, I just no. was curious I to, think because so that I, I can relate. Here's the thing. Because I wasn't done. Right? Like I, like I wasn't done. I wasn't convinced of the result. I was still hanging on to, to having control and different things like that. Right? The fact that you, you realize that you don't. And like it's, it's how, can, how could I... It's, and it's mentality because it's where you're at in your head and who you want to be, right? I know that that's not the person that I want to be. And I knew that it, like, I had to run the course, almost run myself to death to prove to myself that I was an alcoholic, that I was going to kill myself and, you know, and, and get to that point to this, decide to want to fight and survive. And, and, and through that, I couldn't do it without cannabis. You know, I would yeah. be, I never had cannabis before though, therapeutically, you know what I'm saying? And and now the education yeah. and now I know why different things. So I know, oh, I'm feeling this way here, have a gummy or, you know, it, cause yeah. me, it was sleep and all that other stuff. So the difference is, 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 is being honest with yourself. And, and when you didn't, you know, I, I, there's a lot of different shit going on around me you know, in all different parts of the life that I was either ignoring or, you know, it was just easier to go back into the addiction. 
Yeah, and I mean, you you were able to win another Stanley Cup uh, in 07, 08, and you talk about how that one may have been uh, one of the most enjoyable just because, you know, your kids were there. That must have been great. Um, but the experience, probably, uh, Darren, the, the part that I enjoyed the most uh, in that book um, is when you talk about your time in the IHL. Oh, yeah. Uh, you were, uh, for people that don't know, um, I'm sure a lot of people do, uh, but you um, wanted to make a comeback and the Detroit Red Wings, Ken Holland, uh, basically made you start from the bottom of the barrel. Do you want to talk about that a little well, bit? Well, no, it was, I, they didn't make me. I, I, or they didn't make you, but I, you wanted to. Yeah, you know, because it goes back to, like I said, I was always like, I can live with a lot of things. Like, you know what? And the one thing that I realize is, is that you can beat me, but I will never lose again, which means that if I give you my best and you give you my your best or not even your best, but you're better than me, I can accept it. What I can't accept is not giving 100% or, or leaving something in the tank. I call it the what if, right? Because that's that to me, then there's the, the I lost. I feel like I lost. So, and saying that, it was I felt I had something left, and these are my guys with Drapes, Maltz, Homer, Nick, Ozzy, the Euro Twins, and Pav, and and Z, and 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 I thought that I had something. If I if I could get up to speed, if I could get back, that I that I had something to offer. So, um, sat down with my best friend Chris Draper, and it was just like he afforded me, like got me. He had this core workout center, so one of his trainers, Sean Clark, Sharky. He would skate me, you know, we'd do skating for like an hour a day and then work out and stuff and got me back into shape. And I went and and played in Flint in the IHL and, and got the love of the game back, you know, being able to play every every time, get a lot of minutes and be around the guys and be in the locker room and enjoy what I was missing and work hard. And then when I went, uh, Kenny Hall signed me to a con to a tryout contract with Grand Rapids in the IHL in my first game of Grand Rapids. You got a hat trick. Hat trick and four-point game, bro. So I was like, yeah, fucking I think I'm on the sick. right way. I'm on the, I'm that on the is, right way. How fucking awesome was that, but, man? But, like, what the? Look at my God shot. So, see, that's the whole thing is I realize is he smacked, got to smack me pretty hard in the head with some, like, you know, like to get my sort of attention or different things like that. I'm blessed in that sort of way. But it's, you know, and it was like I had to prove to Mike Babcock and the way that it worked out. I played 17 of the 22 playoff games, got, got my fourth cup. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, fuck man. And that, uh, I remember it. Like I was, that was my OA year in the WHL just after that. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty special to see. Uh, what was like, were all the guys like really, really happy for you? Because I know you talked about it. Like you had Joey Kosher, uh, do kind of almost the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I know that you looked up to him and you kind of oh, thought absolutely. that you would, you would be the Joey Kosher, right. And, and come in and do it. Yeah. Um, where, you know, and you said you were uh, going hundred miles an hour, the first, whatever, however many years of your career. Uh, and then this one, you were able to actually enjoy it. Uh, talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. You know what I enjoyed the most. And, and it was a time I got to like, Oz, Chris Osgood and I came into the, into the minors together. We came in 92, 93 and we came up together and, you know, played a lot of our early and, and, and we're always great best friends. I used to live up above them. We used to play Sega and, you know, make Wayne Gretzky bleed all the time. 
uh, back in the day, and you know, and and so I've known Ozzy's like a little brother and stuff like that. So the part I enjoyed the the most was was he always loved the way I warmed him up and the way that we do extra drills with Jimmy Bedard and stuff. So the three of us would spend a lot of time, you know, together before or after practice, just doing little drills, but just, you know, more or less Ozzy likes the bullshit. So he spends more time talking, but he gets his work in, but he, we always had that relationship where I could warm him up good, you know, put, put the puck exactly, you know, left pad, right pad, wherever he wanted it. So it was sort of like being his personal, like batting, batting pitcher. So I, I love that. And, I think the guys were um, might have been second happiest for me. We were almost happiest for Dallas Drake because he's such a great dude. And he's like all our – even though when we played against him, battled against him, I actually played my first year with him in Detroit. But he's always been one of the one of the guys throughout the league that's your buddy and to be able to win with him and stuff. So it was uh, it was really cool. But, you know, the, just the whole experience, I did, be, I did appreciate it because the kids were older and – you know, a different point and just to prove to everybody that, you, you know what, if you put your mind to it, you know, don't quit. That's as long as you, you fall down, but you know, you, if you want to change, you can. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it's, you know, man, it's an inspirational story for sure. And, um, Ozzy was actually my, always my favorite goalie. Like you guys, uh, I mean, I grew up in Vancouver, but as soon as they traded Burray, um, I was an instant Detroit Red Wings fan. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I loved you guys and, and you were my favorite player on that team for sure. And yeah, this experience, Darren is just, is really, really, um, almost, uh, surreal. When you called me earlier, um, my girlfriend was taking a picture. She had my phone and she's like, I think I was calling. I don't know the number. She didn't pick it up. I'm like, I think you just missed, uh, Darren McCarty's call. That's okay. He only won four Stanley Cups uh, and we just laughed and, and you called right back. And, uh, and when I heard your voice, I'm like, holy shit, it's actually Darren McCarty. Just like yesterday, like when I seen Doug Gilmore on the other side there, I was like, oh, yeah. Because sometimes I always think it's going to be like Ashton Kutcher, like the show Punk, yeah, like yeah. someone's lying to me on the other end. You know what I mean? So, um, but you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, getting well, I'm not that popular for me to ever be on that show, but yeah. shit, like, yeah. I just, you know, hearing your voice is so, your voice is so, like, distinct, so when I heard you, I was like, oh my god, I put it on speakerphone for Matt Thompson, and he's like, yeah, we're just like, yeah, because, you know, we're younger than you, right, we grew up watching you, um, and it's just, you know, it's just awesome, Here, I'll get, uh, and just, I'll leave you, hey, I'll give you this, I'll leave you with it, so you guys watch Letter Kenny? Uh, yes. So they're buddies of mine, right? They're good. I got to meet, I, you know, interviewed actually Dylan's dad, Jim Playfair was one of coach in Calgary. Right. So I'm yeah, yeah. a little kid, but I've done some, I got some podcasts with those guys and we got their last show before the pandemic was in Detroit. So I got to meet them all. And you know what? They're, you know why they're so good? Is because they're a family. Like he, they, they, they love each. Like that's the true blue, and they're hilarious. And you know what? I was so blown away because I'd. Um, so Nathan Dales, he's the same way. He's from Calgary, but I, I played in when I played in Calgary. He was a big, big fan. So, so Derry, that's you know, he's fucking great. Uh, so he's a buddy of mine. But like when I got to meet Kiso and stuff, and the, the way he looked at me, like I looked at him, it was it was really really cool. Like the admiration of both. So it's something if you're a fan of those guys, just like the trailer park boys, they're my guys too. And um, because they're all great guys and 
proud to be Canadian with, with a lot of them. So, you know, guys, guys to cheer for. So I'm trying to weasel my way into an episode. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know Terry Ryan was in an episode. Uh, he's in, uh, he, if you know Terry, he's on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. Uh, he was drafted first round by the Montreal Canadiens, um, but only played a few games uh, in the NHL. But, you know, he's he's got a great podcast. But uh, he was actually on the show, and he was he's friends with um, Jason Momoa. He was on in the wow. show Frontier. Yeah, he was in the show Frontier and shit. If you watch it, he was actually – they did spit and chiclets. Um did uh they did whatever biz nasty in fucking bc or whatever yeah. but then they did uh they did biz nasty goes to fucking newfoundland uh with terry ryan and terry ryan's dad no. and uh it's 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 worth the watch it's a fucking gong show it's so uh, funny I but he talks it. about he talks about uh being on letter kenny and uh and uh being on uh frontier and it's pretty cool so That's maybe awesome. uh you could connect with him yeah. too and uh be some like when they do hockey like definitely a hockey episode for sure oh, i know absolutely. they don't you know little scenes but but yeah you're, you're definitely i could i can already see you uh on that show uh for sure i wouldn't be surprised if they come uh, asking uh for you to be on it once this pandemic's over um listen uh, we've been talking for a long time i'm sure you're busy but if you don't mind let's do this again man no, like, no, uh, absolutely and will you will you send uh email nick and and email nick uh all the stuff on uh what you got going and stuff and we'll we'll keep it and we'll do something especially because we got playoffs coming up so if you want to do something because this first round of play dude how how exciting is this dude it's like two first I rounds know, of the playoffs crazy. it's gonna be like it's gonna be seriously here's for your addiction here's your crack cocaine on hockey addiction right now right <laughs> you know i mean like three yep. out of fives you know, then the first round, I mean, what's the over under and overtime? Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's, it's going to be lots of fun. So yeah, no, let's stay fucking connected, man. This has been one of the, this has been probably the coolest experience. Well, you know what? This whole thing started. So, so here's the deal. So now we're going to have to swap and, uh, you're going to have to come on grind time or one of my other one, 25 on 19, or I'll get you on knuckle up. I got a new one called knuckle up, which is, uh, Nick. Nick, being a, a military tool bag, um, you know, wants to know what do you guys talk about all the time? Why did this fight happen? Why did this fight happen? So we're gonna. So I want guys. I'm gonna talk about different fights that I had and stuff, but I want guys that fight um, to talk about different fights and the and you know the psychology behind it and a lot of those conversations. So I've already got you down as uh, as uh, one of my resources, bro. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it, Darren. Um, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll forward all that information to Nick uh, and we'll stay in touch. And definitely once uh, everything uh, comes uh, full circle uh, with your cannabis and all that, I'm the first one uh, in it. line uh, to support that buddy uh, and Matt Thompson too. So uh, guys, uh, that's Darren McCarty. I want to say thanks to him again. Uh, Darren, we'll talk soon, buddy. You bet. Thanks, Brady. All right, man. Talk to you later. later. That's episode 23 with four-time Stanley Cup champ, Darren McCarty. Uh, that was a real highlight for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you can hear the kids in the background, that's because they want to go jump in the lake. Uh, it's a beautiful day up here in Muskoka. Matt Thompson's gone home. I want to say thank you to him. He took the time off work. He lost wages. 
uh, not only at his job, but he took time away uh, from the fire department uh, that he volunteered. He's a paid on call uh, up in the Cornwall area. So I want to say thanks to Matt. Uh, this friendship we now have uh, is uh, really incredible. Uh, and his friendship uh, means a lot to me. Uh, he's a great, great guy. Uh, consider him a brother now. And uh, so once again, Matt, thank you, buddy. I truly appreciate it. Uh, as of right now, guys, um, the walls are standing. Uh, there's no roof. Matt will be back in a few weeks' time uh, to complete the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio. Uh, until then, guys, I'll be recording podcasts either in the basement, in the car, uh, or down at Taylor's grandma's house, Judy. So uh, we'll still uh, keep it happening, and we will uh, still be recording these podcasts in Matthew Lashinsky's honor, of course. And uh, guys, I'm really looking forward to the next episode that we'll be recording. Uh, Matt Thompson's going to be on, uh, along with Chris Lawrence and Matthew Puntereri, who were both uh, teammates of Matthew Lashinsky uh, when they played together in the Sioux, uh, for the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. So uh, really looking forward to hearing some stories about Lashinsky and catching up with them. And of course, I played with Lawrence uh, in the Tampa Bay Lightnings uh, system and uh, we uh, know each other quite well. Uh, I spoke to him the other night, and it was nice to uh, catch up with him and uh, looking forward to having them on the podcast. Also, guys, I spoke with Matt Fadden. Uh, That's Mitch Fadden's brother. Uh, I said it before, Mitch Fadden was a teammate of mine uh, in the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization as well, and uh, I found out that he too lost his battle with addiction. Um, uh, I can say too. Uh, It was from fentanyl, um, something that he took was laced with it, and uh, it took his life. Uh, Guys, uh, it's really sad, and so many guys are suffering out there, and that's really why we're doing this puck support. Uh, Michael Hangins, the chief executive director, Jesse Paradise, the executive director of business and finance, we are uh, in the midst of incorporating it that's going to be happening in the next few days we're opening a bank account so guys if you want to donate to this cause uh, we are going to make sure uh, that the money gets put in the right places and we're helping the right people Uh, we will have our first board of directors meeting soon Uh, Darren McCarty's on board that's great Uh, I spoke to a lot of great people Uh, actually Ken Campbell from the Hockey News is writing our mission statement so that's um, you know, we have so many great people on board. Uh, if you can hear in the background, that's Lincoln crying. He's getting impatient. So I'm going to take the kids to the, to the beach, guys. I, uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us build the Matthew Lashinsky Studio, uh, we'll ca- we will gladly accept donations. But at the same time, uh, Matt and I will continue uh, building on. Uh, so, guys, uh, thank you. Keep listening. Uh, And just remember, if you're struggling, reach out, if not to me, to somebody else. And uh, guys, it's always up to you. Have a great day, if you so choose.